The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Well, good morning, Coastal. How are you doing? Good. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to be here this morning. I introduced myself the last couple weeks to you as the new associate pastor here. Uh, We had the privilege of uh, my wife and I being, uh, I was a youth pastor here for three years, and we left about four years ago, and we left with uh, one kid that was 10 months old, Carly, who is now five years old as of a couple weeks ago. And as of tomorrow, we will have a uh, two-year-old Aniston, uh, who has a luscious afro of curls, if you haven't seen her yet. Looks like a thousand springs on her head. Uh, So make Make sure you get a chance to meet uh, both of them as well as my wife, Lori. Uh, we are excited because this place is near and dear to our heart, uh, but we've been away for four years uh, up north, like feels like way up north, like where it gets cold and snowy and there's no beach and you know things like that. Uh, but we have uh, loved our time uh, uh, away and what we've been able to see and experience God do uh, in ministry and our family and just us. But we are excited to be here, be back with Coastal and be in this place. And uh, God has done amazing things over the last four years we've spent in Lexington, Kentucky. I was the youth pastor at a church there uh, for four years. We had a, a, an amazing youth group, amazing church. Uh, we saw a lot of growth in our student ministry, in our church. Uh, our church was actually even on one of the, the fastest growing churches list, like three out of the last four years. God was doing amazing things. And God was doing amazing things because it was a church that, first of all, that loved Jesus, but also loved people and loved their community. And that's why we were able to see that kind of growth. And as sad as we were to leave our church, leave our students uh, and and friends and family that were there, uh, we're excited to be here because we know this is a church that loves Jesus, that loves people, and loves their community. And so we are excited uh, to be able to be back here. And uh, our pastor here, Pastor Chris, uh, PC, as he's affectionately known uh, to us all, has been a great friend, a great mentor, a great pastor and leader over the last seven years now that I've had uh, the privilege to know him uh, and his amazing wife, Janet. We are excited uh, to be able to be here and to serve alongside uh, him for the years to come. And uh, so this morning, uh, we're kicking off this new series, kicking off this series is Work is Worship. And so uh, thinking about our pastor, I want to I entitled this message, How to Kiss Up to Your Boss. Uh, that's the message title. No, that's not the message title this morning at all. Uh, the message title this morning is Work is Worship, or How Your Work Can Become Worship. Now, when we say something like this, how work can become worship, I think one of the things that instantly triggers a lot of us is, man, I don't need to hear this. Uh, you know, like, my work is just my job. It's just my thing. I'm not a pastor or youth pastor or missionary, as the video mentioned. Uh, we think about it in that kind of a way, and we think, but this is not really important. No, I want to tell you this. Each and every one of you, your workplace, your work has the opportunity to be worship of Jesus, and it has the opportunity to be something that glorifies him in the way that you do work. And so this passage that uh, we're going to look at here in just a second, I want you to really, every single person in this room, this has uh, something for you that you can apply to your life, whether uh, you think it doesn't apply to your life, whether maybe some of you are thinking, man, I don't even have a job right now. And what I would say to you is maybe this area that we're going to talk about is maybe the reason that you don't have a job because it's not become something that's been a part of your life where you are worshiping God through the way that you work. And maybe that's part of for you. Maybe that's the next step for you. And so this morning, I want to read a passage of Scripture out of Colossians 3. This is the only passage I have for you this morning. So if you've got your Bible, if you've got your uh, iPhone, your tablet, whatever, open up Colossians 3. We're going to read two verses, and we're going to refer to them throughout the time together this morning. And it says this, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. 
Maybe some of you, this is a familiar passage of Scripture, but the idea of this passage is what we're using as today's theme. It's really kind of even maybe the the theme verse for this entire series that we're going to be doing over the next couple of weeks. But when I think about this passage of Scripture, there's a couple different truths that I want to pull out for you in this morning. The first truth that I have for you, if you've got your, uh, your sheet that you want to fill in the blanks, it's this. You begin to think of your calling as a commission. You begin to think of your calling as a commission. You have been called by Jesus to where you are at. Some of you are like, man, it's just a job that I've got while I'm doing school. That's okay. You were called there for a reason. You're thinking, man, this is the kind of the the rebound job after I lost my other job just to pay the bills. That's all right. You're called there for a reason. When you think about this, you begin to think of your calling as a commission. A commission from God is an instruction or a command from him that you can't not do. You've been committed by God. You have accepted a commission. You have a calling on your life to be right where you're at. And where you are now is where you are called. Now, this can change, right? People change jobs all the time. This happens, and we get caught up, some of us, I think, in this. uh, But I'm not doing what I was called to do. And I think it's okay to change jobs. But I think also, before you make a change like that, here's a couple things that I want you to think about when it comes to making a change in your job. And that's this, to clarify the commission that God has given to you. I want you to recognize the opportunity that lies before you, what opportunities are there that God has available to you. And I also want to evaluate God's work and the gifting that's in your life. Because I think he's gifted you and placed you in a place, in a specific place for a reason. Whatever that reason may be, to connect with a specific coworker, to have maybe learn a valuable job skill that's going to prepare you for what's to come years later when you get that job that maybe is the job that you're really hoping for, that dream job that you have set up. Paul says in this verse uh, that we're looking at in Colossians 3, he says, whatever you do, whatever you do work, anything you are doing or working, whatever you are doing, he goes on to say, this is, you know, doing it all for the glory of God. Whatever you're doing, work at it. You know, maybe you're a teacher, maybe you're a doctor, maybe you're a stay-at-home mom, maybe you make pants for a living and that's kind of your thing. Whatever you're doing, you know, do it for the glory of God. You make pants, you know, maybe you put Bible verses on the back pockets or something, you know, just don't... Put, you know, Jesus across the back end or something, but don't put like juicy or whatever the, you know, the pants are that are out there, but whatever it is, maybe you'll put the gospel on there. You know, I don't know, whatever your thing is, but whatever you're doing, you got to do it for the glory of God. It says, whatever you do, work in this way. When I thought about this series and began to think about this message and I began to think about working and songs started coming to my mind. And one of the songs that came to my mind, Donna Summers, 1983 hit. You with me? You already know where I'm going. Anybody? She works hard for the money. I'm gonna, you're going to have this in the rest of your, in your head for the rest of the service, just so you know. But here's a couple of the lyrics. She works hard for the money, so hard for it, honey. She works hard for the money, so you better treat her right. Right? Like, you know how it goes? I met her there in the corner stand, and she wonders where she is, and it's strange to her. Some people seem to have everything. 9 a.m. on the hour hand, and she's waiting for the bell, and she's looking real pretty, just waiting for her clientele. Now, contrary to popular belief, this song is not about a prostitute, which so many people over the years have believed it was. This past, or this, uh, these lyrics, this song that was written, is actually about a woman who is a bathroom attendant at a very high-priced, swanky hotel who worked it for years, and she gave everything she had, and she committed to the job, and she did what she was supposed to do. She had this calling, and she committed to it. So did she want to be a bathroom attendant? Most likely not. That's not usually on the, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? No kid ever says bathroom attendant, right? That's, never, that's not even an option. It's never thrown out there. Uh, but this woman did this. She worked hard where she was at. And I tell you this because I want you to know this. God has called you to a specific place for a specific time as this, and it's your act of worship to work 
as the one who is specifically called to it. And I want you to really understand maybe one thing. Don't mistake calling for happiness. Think about all the people in Scripture that were called to do something that they didn't like or they didn't want to do or they even hated. There's a reason that you are where you are. Maybe it's to learn a valuable skill. Maybe it's to meet and encounter someone. Maybe it's to get you set up for what's to come. Maybe it's to teach you the value of a, of a hard work or an ethic that maybe you don't have or don't just quite possess yet. But God has a plan for that. So you begin to think of your calling as a commission, which leads me to, to uh, kind of a little bit further in your notes that you have before you. When it comes to your calling as a commission, pursue competency. Pursue competency. To become competent in what you do and what, or what that skill is or what that calling that you have in your life, that work that you have that's laid out before you, that's consistent pursuit to learn and grow in your faith can be directly connected to the way that you learn and grow in your job. And both of those kind of go back and forth. If you think about the way that you have your faith and that you learn and grow in your faith, you're studying God's word, you're showing up to church on Sunday, you're maybe in a, a life group and you're doing all these things, you got your daily devotional going on, you're doing all these things to learn and to grow. And then you think about your work. Are you doing the same things? Are you showing up on time? And are you doing your work and you're not wasting time and you're not spending time you know, messing around and goofing off and you're actually working committed to the job and you're spending time learning and taking, you know, I know some jobs have uh, you know, video tutorials and lessons and you're looking at opportunities to grow and increase and expand your knowledge of the company or the job or the position that you have. I think these things are directly connected to each other because you look to get better, you look to learn and to know more and you become an expert in your faith and in your job. That's a huge way to worship God. Sometimes we don't feel qualified though. You ever done a job that you didn't feel qualified to do? Remember when we had our first kid, Carly, and I remember the first uh, day or night, she was, I guess it was at night, this was that night, sometime through the night, and I got the opportunity to change my first diaper. Now, we had a daughter, and I'm a guy, and they're like, you need to clean. And I was kind of like, where do I clean? What, what parts do I clean? What, you know, like, I didn't know. I was clueless. I never felt more unqualified maybe than anything in my life than right there. Now, I took health class, but they didn't teach that. That was a part of health class, right, that they taught you how to do that. And I felt so unqualified. But let me tell you this, five years later, two kids later, 1.3 million diapers changed. I am qualified. I can do it. I could do it without look. I wouldn't suggest doing it without looking, but I could do it. I think if I, if you like, you know, hey, here's a hundred bucks, but you can't, I could do it. Like if anybody wants to make that bet, we'll talk afterwards, but I could do it because now I've been qualified. And I think this God qualifies you in what he's called you to do. He gives you the skills. He gives you the ability, he gives you the gifts, the talents, the passions to do those things. And sometimes even though we don't like it, I think if we're really honest with ourselves and we look at who we are, we can understand and realize, man, God's put me here for a specific reason. Maybe it's to connect with that one person that's right there in my cubicle. Maybe it's to connect with that one person down the hall. Maybe it's to, to be, a, a, as a stay-at-home mom, to be able to, to, we have this, you know, we got five kids, we got one kid that, man, really needs me right there with them day in and out because they need that attention, that extra personal little connection. Whatever your job is, realize this, is that God is qualifying you for it. And sometimes you're commissioned by God because he wants to stretch you. He wants to expand who you are, expand your horizon and your work ability that you have. And just because it's hard doesn't mean it's wrong. I think that's important for us to understand. But also when it comes to your calling as a commission, I want you to remain credible. 
Remain credible. So not only pursue competency, but to remain credible. This is a timely topic in a world of fake news these days. To be credible, your ability to remain credible can dictate your career and your ability to glorify God with your work and with your life. Credibility, to have some integrity, to have some uh, just you know, statements about who you are, some ethics, some things that are going along with that. But it's something I think a lot of people in this world are struggling with right now. Not that they haven't for years, but I think it's something maybe just through social media and news and the way that we have access to so many people, we see it more and more now. But in this passage of Scripture, Paul says, as working for the Lord in Colossians 3. So you're working for the Lord. You're a representation of him. You're an image bearer of Jesus. And your credibility is an act of worship because it's directly connected to your thoughts about God. Your integrity that you have, your credibility It's an act of worship because the way that you worship God through your work, the way that you uh, remain credible and have integrity in who you are, it's directly connected to your connection with God. Because if you're honest with God because you know he is honest and he is truthful with you, you will then take that and be honest and truthful with those that you work with. I think it's something for us to all be able to hold on to. Some of you may be familiar with this lady uh, named Rosie Ruiz. Anybody heard of Rosie Ruiz? Nobody? Couple? Maybe? Okay. Rosie Ruiz, the Boston Marathon course cutter, was stripped of her victory in the 1980 race. She was unknown and didn't look or act like she had just run 26.2 miles when she crossed the finish line. Ruiz finished first in the women's division in a then record of 2 hours, 31 minutes, 56 seconds. Now, this was in an era before they had tracking chips, electronic checkpoints, and all these kinds of things. So race organizers actually used people to, as the runners would go by, they would take and they would scribble down the bibs, uh, the numbers of all these different people. And not one point in 26.2 miles did Rosie Ruiz's number come up in the race. Not one point was she at a checkpoint that they saw, nothing. And in fact, they had professional photographers that were there and professional uh, videographers that were there. She was never in any videos and she was not in one of the 10,000 photographs taken by the professional photographers of the entire race. But she crossed the finish line first. She course cut it. She took an opportunity to say, here's what's going on, but I'm going to do this just because I want to win, just because I want to get ahead. Her credibility was shot after this point when it was found out. And she had said later on in her life that she was actually, uh, continuously asked throughout her life when she would do something or commit to something that people would continuously, la- continuously ask, are you telling the truth? Are you really going to do this? Are you really going to carry it out? It came up in interviews for jobs even. Because of that one moment when she said, I'm going to cut the course, I'm going to take an opportunity to cheat and to win this race. And people thought, if you're willing to do that at the Boston Marathon, what's going to keep you from doing that here at our job, at our office, in our workplace? And her credibility was shot. Her integrity was, was, was gone. Your integrity, your credibility can be gone with one wrong choice or one wrong action. And if we truly want to worship God and truly want to glorify him and who he is, And we can't take those opportunities to do that because that one time, just that one instance of going against our credibility, against our integrity, and our our life, and our way that we relate relate and connect to people can be shot, can be done. It only takes one. Which leads to the second truth that I have for you this morning, and that's this. You stop allowing your consequences to affect your character. 
You stop allowing your consequences to affect your character. You can't allow a good or a bad day to change who you are in Christ. If you had a great year or a great uh, you know, sale year of sales that went on or uh, great opportunities and things like that, it doesn't give you the opportunity or the, the right to be able to look at everybody else as lesser than you. It's not like all of a sudden you're further up the, the, the food chain or anything like that. And then the other side of that, if you had a bad situation, a bad business deal, a bad year of sales or a bad whatever is going on, it does not give you the right to then cheat or the right to then go against something or lie against somebody else to be able to get ahead. You see, when it comes to your consequences affecting your character, the things that are going on, whether they're bad or whether they're good, they can't change who you are as a person, as your character that you have, but it can't change your character that you have founded in Christ, more so. Remember, Colossians 3 says this, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. How you handle good and bad situations affects who you are in Christ, and it reflects Jesus. When you are someone that, man, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, and the people in your workplace, now, oh, they go to church, and they, they believe in Jesus, and they worship God, and they do all these things, but then you're the one that gets found out that you've been uh, you know, doing something wrong or doing something illegally or lying about somebody or spreading gossip about somebody so that you can get ahead. Who's that a reflection of? Not only you, but it's also a reflection of Jesus. You see, the situations that we have in our, in our life, in, uh, in our workplace, to understand that when we allow our consequences to affect our character, that, man, it can destroy both you and people's thoughts of God. So the next time we want to think about, man, if I just did this, if I just cut this little corner, if I just went this way or lied about this, I could get a step ahead. I might get that promotion instead of that guy. But if we were to think about it in that moment, man, if I did this, how would Jesus look? How would he be reflected in the eyes of everybody else that's around me? How you carry yourself in both private and public when it comes to business deals speaks loudly about your spiritual maturity. Whether you're in the office place and you're in front of people and maybe you're a, a, you know, a manager of some sort and you've got people around you, uh, or maybe you're one of the, the people that you report to a manager and whatever it is that your situations you have, but when you're in the public place and how you act and carry your, uh, yourself in front of those people, it reflects who Jesus is. But also when you are in private and you're behind closed doors and nobody else is around and you're in your office, it also reflects who Jesus is. Honestly, it can distort and change and mess up your relationship with God. You see, the first day uh, of school we had this last couple weeks, and uh, the, after the second day, uh, my wife had to fly back to Kentucky for a few days, and the very first day, morning, uh, that uh, after she had left, uh, I had a little situation uh, with getting the girls to school and uh, left the house, and both girls were in the back, and we left the house, and we got about halfway to school. We were running a few minutes behind, and when we were driving and sitting in the light, all of a sudden, Carly, my five-year-old, yells out, Daddy, forgot to brush my hair. And I looked in the mirror, and it was like somebody out of the Donna Summers like, music video, like, Phew. Like, it was, I mean, just huge. And I thought, oh, no, we don't have time to turn around. And my daughter, if you haven't met her yet, she is all about, like, you know, dresses and dress-up and ponytails and all this. Like, like, she would have been destroyed had she shown up and looked like this, right, as a five-year-old. And so I was like, why, you know, here I am. This is who, this is who I am. And so I'm going to, uh, I'm her dad, and I've got to make a decision. I've got to do something right. And so on the way, I decided I was going to stop at a gas station to get a brush and a, and a hairband. And so I go to this gas station. I go in. Ashley said, do you have a brush? Like, do you sell brushes and hairbands? And she said, no, we don't. And at this point, we're running a little bit out of time. And she goes, but I do have a rubber band. 
And I said, that'll work. Give me the rubber band. And so I got this rubber band. It's like this huge rubber band. And I get back in the car and I get her to kind of get out. And I just take this hair and I'm like, you know, pulling it back and all this. And then, you know, wrap this rubber band and pull it off, you know, pull it tight. And off to school we went. And so, like, I get to this point as I'm thinking about this, as it's all happening, and I'm thinking about this message that I'm going to be preaching this week, and I'm thinking, my consequences in that moment, there's some dads out there, and I probably would have done this at some point, but some dads out there would be like, we're just going home. Just forget about it. We're like, we're going to go home. We're going to be late. We're going to give up. We're not going to do it. And I said, no, not me. Like, I am a dad. I am called to be a dad. This is who I am. My consequences are not going to affect my character. And in this moment, I'm not going out like this. And so I did this, and it was terrible, but it worked. And so some of you, when you think about who you are and you think about your character, I want you to understand this. You are called to be somewhere where you're supposed to be. You are called to do something you're supposed to do. But are you doing with everything you've got, even when it's not done well, but you're going at it with everything you have? Sometimes in my life, I've been in moments where I've said, I'm not going to do that because it's not going to come off well. I'm going to look bad. I think we've all guilty of those kind of moments. But I think sometimes when it comes down to your work ethic, if you take who you are and you say, you know what, some things are not going to be good, but I'm still going to work at them with, at my best, no matter what the outcome is. See, I could have given up in a moment like that and just been like, just throw in the towel. But I'm called to be a dad, and I wasn't going to go out like that. And I messed up, but I kept on, and I did the best that I could do in the situation, and it would have just been forgotten except for the next three days. My wife and PC both texted me saying, don't forget to brush Carly's hair each morning. PC said, uh, rubber bands are not a fashion statement, to which I replied, they are now. <laughs> and so the point is this, is that our character will be tested in moments where we are tempted to pack it in, but if our work is worse it, then we will give it everything we've got because we are serving Jesus. Your job, no matter what you do, is an opportunity to serve Jesus. It's an opportunity to serve the Lord. It's an opportunity to take everything that he has done for you and to turn it back to him and to give him praise and to give him glory in the way that you work and the way that you carry yourself. Your consequences will affect your character. Our work is a commission from God to glorify him until the end. And your work is not about gaining enough to retire on the beach and party. That is a beer commercial. That is not an uh, idea from God. Your job, your goal, the dream is to use your work as an act of worship, as an opportunity for, uh, for witness, and to be able to reflect who Jesus is on a regular basis. You have been given an opportunity. You have been given a mission field. You can worship the Lord through the way that you work. Part of this character and that I want you to get to, and your next blank is there, is upholding a commitment is important. Upholding a commitment is important. You made a commitment, you made a pact to work for pay. Committing to a job means you are going to do that job to the best of your ability and you are going to get paid to do it. It is a commitment that you are making, it is a pact that you are making with an employer, with an individual, with a boss. And in this passage of scripture in Romans 3, it says, work at it with all your heart. Everything you've got, put into it to not take a day off, to not take a moment of, of, of laziness when you are at the job. Take your day off when you get your day off, but when you're at your work, you do the best of your ability because you have committed to this. You've committed to work and they've committed to paying you for it. Your faithfulness and your discipline to your commitment says a whole lot about your integrity and your character that you have. It says a whole lot about it. You ever bought, uh, been on a, going to a, a trip or been on a, going on a flight and you've bought a plane ticket you know, months in advance and you do everything right, like you, uh, you get there two hours before the flight is supposed to you know, leave, like they tell you to, and you go through security, you get to your gate an hour before you're supposed to, you're ready to go, and then right before they get ready to like, we're gonna be boarding in just a minute, and right before that, they're like, but by the way, we've overbooked the flight. 
Happened to you? Happened to me, right? And you're like, how do you overbook a fight? You know you have this many seats. Why do you keep booking seats? It doesn't make sense, right? And so they've done this to you. And in this moment, they say, you know, so what we're going to do, because, you know, we accidentally overbooked the flight, we're going to give you a voucher for food for $5 to which you can buy a stick of gum at the store on your way out to your nasty hotel that we don't even step foot in. And then the next morning, you're going to get to wake up at 4 a.m. to get back to the uh, airport to leave on your 6 a.m. flight. But don't worry, we're going to give you a thousand free sky miles, a thousand. And after the next 49 times we do this, you can get a flight to Columbia, South Carolina, not the country, but you can get a flight to Columbia for this. But here's the thing. They make a commitment to you. They're going to give you a flight. They're going to give you a seat to somewhere. But then at the last minute, nothing you did. You did everything right. You did everything by the rules. And their commitment is just broken. It's done for. But here's what I want to tell you is this, is that God made a commitment with you through his son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross. And he will not fail on that commitment. I think we need to realize that he is going to bring us into an eternal heaven through what Jesus did on the cross. When you have a relationship with Jesus and you surrender your life to him, he has made a commitment to you. He is not going to fail in that. He is not going to break that commitment. And even when you do whatever he asks you to do, which for some of you, uh, it's in being in this workplace and having this opportunity to witness and to be able to serve and to be able to love him and to glorify him. But once you've surrendered your life to Jesus, you have a commitment, you have a pact with him that he is never going to break. That's something that we can rest in. That's something that we can take in and understand and take to ourselves and be able to say, man, think about who he is and what he's done for me. And to realize that he would never do that because he has made a commitment and he is always faithful. Commitment to your job should be similar uh, to this. And it's a work to worship God by living and working with integrity, keeping the promises that you made. If it's not going well, then leave. But leave well and land well. You've probably heard that saying, when you leave a job, leave it well and land well. Prepare the job or the position for the next person that's coming. Uh, take the opportunity to, to work all the way up until the end. Don't get that senioritis like a month out before you're leaving or, what, or a couple days out before you're leaving. No, work all the way to the end. Make that job a better position for the next person that's coming in for you. Leave well and land well. I've tried to do this throughout my life and uh, leave well and land well. And, uh, and God has continued to bless me in the way that I've done that, where I've left positions and landed well at positions. And I think it's because I seek to glorify God in those moments of saying, you know what, God, you have blessed me uh, with this workplace and with a job and with people around me. And God, you have given me this opportunity. And so because of that, I want to leave well and then I want to be able to land well. I've done this at each job I've had, and God's just continued to provide me with great experiences, amazing people to work with, and awesome places to be able to call my work. Which leads to the third and final truth, and that's this. Your life celebrates daily who Christ is. Your life celebrates daily who Christ is. Worship is singing, right? We just sung a few songs here a moment ago, and it's this moment of worship. But worship is singing, but it's also more than singing. It bleeds into every avenue of your life, like your job, like work. Do you walk as someone who loves Jesus? Can people tell you're a Christian just by the way you walk, talk, and communicate in your job? Do you handle situations well? Do you handle a situation like Jesus would? And the, you know, whether it's turning the other cheek, whether it's extending mercy and forgiveness to, in opportunities where maybe it's not deserved, but you go ahead and do it anyways because you know that Jesus has already done that for you. The last fill in the blank for you here is this. Having a cadence is biblical. A cadence See, God designed our schedule for us to work six days and rest on the seventh day. A lot of us, we get that extra day off, right? Some of us only have to work five days. You know, if you're a pastor, we only work on Sunday. But 
Uh, that's a joke. That is a joke. Let's make that clear. I've seen him work other days. I'm just letting you know. Okay. Uh, but six days and then the seventh day, it's called a Sabbath day. It's called a day of rest. It's something that God has designed for us. He designed it in creation where he works six days and the seventh day he rested. If you think about it, he created Adam and Eve, uh, creates Adam on, on the sixth day, like kind of a you know, midday or whatever. And the next day, Adam's first full day on the job, day off. Any job has ever had that? This is my first day on the job. I'm preaching, if I'm preaching a message, I had to, to, to prepare before I was even working, right? Like, this is my first day and I'm working. You guys have the same situation. Your first day on the job, you work. Adam's very first day on the job when God tells him, you're going to oversee the animals, you're going to name animals, you're going to do this and oversee the land. But this very first day, I'm going to give you a day of rest because here's what he sets an example for us is he's saying, I have already done the work for you. Now you get to rest. Genesis 1, he was created on day six, but God already did the work for him. And religion is something that tells you to do this and do this and do this and do this. But God says, I've already done all that. You rest in it. I've already sent my son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you. I have already done the work. You don't have to do anything. I've already done the work for you. Now you rest in the fact that you can have a relationship with my son that gets you an eternal heaven, that gets you an eternal life with me. That's an amazing gift that we have. And it's modeled for us in the way that he created the world. But the gospel should be lived out through us daily and love should be seen in good and bad times. Forgiveness should be offered freely and regularly. Mercy and compassion should be handed out freely and regularly. So why? If you look at the, uh, this verse, Colossians 3, you will receive an inheritance from the Lord. We love because he first loved us. You don't work to earn God's love. You work because God has already loved you. One of the things I want to just encourage you with is this. Don't be busy, so busy working for things that you have forgotten to stop for a moment and take time to enjoy the things that you've worked for. Some, some of us are so busy working to attain and to gather and to get this, this stuff or this situation or this lifestyle that we forget to even take a moment to enjoy it. Your company doesn't care about your soul. Only you and God are going to care about it. I think when it comes to our work, we have the opportunity, a great opportunity to worship God but we have a great opportunity as well to worship ourselves, to worship things. It ultimately comes down to where us making a decision and making a choice. Which one are we going to worship? Which one? Which one are we going to actually put our priority in and put our faith and our trust in and actually look to do? Is it going to be God or is it going to be ourself and the things that we can accumulate through our work? We're all called to worship God through our work in our daily lives, but first you must surrender your life to him before you can worship him. And the question I have for you this morning is this, have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Because have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Because when your work becomes worship, it can only become worship because you've already surrendered your life to Jesus and you're beginning to worship him in the other areas of your life. Are you worshiping him when you're here? Are you just checking off a box that you came in this morning? Are you actually investing and studying in God's word and spending time in God's word? Or is it just each morning like, oh, I got a devotional. Here's my verse, check. Now I'm going with my day. Are you actually spending time with God? Because if you're spending time with God and worshiping him in the other areas of your life, then you can take worship into your act of working. And that's what I want to challenge you with this morning. It's to not only surrender your life to Jesus, who has died on the cross for you, and it provides you an opportunity for an eternal heaven with the Father, providing you a place with no more tears, no more crying, no more pain, gives you that opportunity by surrendering your life to him. And then if you've already done that, let me challenge you to worship not only in the other areas of your life, but worship in the way that you work, in the way that you carry yourself, in the way that you represent and reflect who God is. Let's pray. Father God, this morning, 
Uh, Lord, I just want to thank you for who you are. Uh, Father, thank you for your son, uh, Jesus Christ. And God, that uh, this morning, Lord, we have uh, just an incredible opportunity. Lord, to be able to uh, just to hear from your word, Father, to spend just a few minutes and being able to uh, just to pull a few truths out that we can be able to use and apply to our life. And God, right now, uh, Lord, I just pray that you would challenge each one of these people in this room, myself included, God, that our work becomes an act of worship. The God that our calling that you have given us, you've called us to, Lord, that it is a commission. It's something that we've committed to. Father, it's something that you have placed us in for a time as this, to do a work as this. And Father, to be able to maybe, maybe it's something to learn. Maybe it's somebody to connect with. And God, that you have done an amazing thing in the way that we have different consequences that happen in our life. But God, that our character cannot be affected by those. Because our character, our identity, needs to be wrapped up in who you are. And Father, that when bad things and good things happen in our work and in our life, that God, we can't allow those to affect our relationship with you. Because good things and bad things are both going to happen. And Father, I pray that we would represent and we would celebrate who your son Jesus is in the way that we live our life. Father, right now I want to pray for those who are in this room, Lord, that don't have a relationship with you, God, that they would know that you know them. You know them by name as they sit right here. God, you have called them here today for a reason, for a specific purpose. And that, God, that maybe that was for you to encounter them in a very real way. Father, I ask that you would maybe just break their heart of what's holding on to them. Father, break each one of our hearts for the passions that we have and the desires that we have. And, God, if they don't line up with you and your calling in our life, Father, I pray that you would just break those down right now and make those evident to us. God, I pray that those that don't have a relationship with you would know that this morning, Lord, that they can surrender their life to you. Father, they have an opportunity to enter into a relationship, a commitment, a covenant with you. Father, they can experience your joy, your salvation for the rest of their life. Father, right now, as we pray and as we sing, Lord, I pray that you are glorified. And Father, that we can look for opportunities to worship in the way that we work and the way that we connect with other people as well. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, Check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.